Counter with God's time here on the break. Come on, Lawson, get it together. Are you going to do it in harmony with me? Really? Is that what you wanted? Oh, I don't right. know. You just looked at me with this, like, menacing look. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I don't want to get attacked <laughs> off air, you know? Like, I, was just trying to, I was just trying to get it coordinated. You started okay. and I'm like, okay, let's do it. I just knew you were going to say, and. So I came in with an and. Because that's, that's, that's. It's Encounter with God time. That's right. Bible study time. Before we do that, as always, we have another clue for our quiz. We and do. We text message where we find out what you thought of the first hour of the show. Who am I? I chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And if you know, call or text us and say mentor. You, you need to call or text us and say, may I enter the quiz? And if you say that, you can go into the draw to win Growing With Jesus Volumes 1 and 2 by Mark and Ernestine Finley. But again, that question or that clue was, I chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Okay, coming through on the text messages here, Jeremy's cookbooks sounds delicious. You should make them part of your giveaway books all. We're going to have to look into that. We have before. Okay. Like we 100% have before, but they're like big and expensive. So maybe, maybe next week for the draw. For the guys. weekly preview. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're doing yeah. big and expensive prizes. That's right. Moment. We always do it. Yes. So, so guys, stay tuned. All right. All right. Let's see how we go. Uh, let me see here. What else have we got? The idea that a loving God would send anyone to eternal flames is so sinister. It can only come from Satan and his hate for God. But this doctrine has soured so many towards Christianity and accepting Jesus' sacrifice. Something we need to do our best to show is so false. I absolutely agree right here uh, with what Braden is sharing. Uh, I think that's an excellent text and it is easily and well backed up by Scripture. Okay, mm. next one we've got here. Lisa Blair with her um, accompli- accomplishment of circumnavigating the uh, world around Antarctica, fastest around Antarctica. Well done, great feat. Not too many people would attempt that. She deserves a medal. I wonder if it was video recorded. We'd love to see it. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah I'd, 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 I'd be watching YouTube because there could well be some uh, video recordings that were made, GoPros and so forth. Yeah, I'm sure if you found it like on Instagram and Facebook, you'd, you'd, there's, there's got to be something there. We live in the 21st century, guys. You can't break a record and not have any any footage. Like, come on. Yeah. California paid students fees, 200 plus. Very happy students. Mm. Dolphins, very impressive uh, standards. They obviously have their own health routine. God doesn't miss a trick as he even created barnacles with cleaning abilities for them. What a mighty God we serve. Mm. And then in Texas, the 21 de- deaths, absolutely a terrible event. Dad deprivation, interesting reasoning from cause to effect. It will again be used to clamp down on gun legislation and sales. American civilian. Well, I don't know that it will. I mean, how many... That, that, nothing's ever happened with the last 20 school shootings. Mm. Why would this one be different? Anyway. Yeah, and it's not even the worst one. Like, this one is horrific and terrible, yeah. but, yeah. We will see. Uh, American civilians alone account for 393 million gun ownership or about 40%, 46% of the total worldwide civilian-held firearms. That is 81.4 million American-owned guns, the single biggest standing army in the world. The government has been able to divide the nation to hold back the rage of the nation against them. It's, it's actually very interesting. Uh, in the United States, there are 120 guns per 100 people. Mm. 
That's quite a few guns. That is a lot. Yeah. Uh, Pelosi, the papers he has, and, and this is one of the things when you look at that whole American situation, people are like, oh, you know, why don't they bring in Australian legislation or something like that? The problem is that with the Australian legislation, our gun ownership was so small that you could bring in legislation that would make it difficult to for criminals to get, you know, it make it harder for criminals to get guns. But mm. when you've got, you know, that many guns in a country and you bring in legislation, the only people you're going to affect are law-abiding citizens. Yeah, and I think... There, there are so many cities in America already that have like a total ban on guns. Like for the best example is like Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, you can't have guns. Chicago has like one of the highest murder rates in in America. Yeah, and and this is one of the. Re- I think this. I think the uh, that horse has bolted a very very long time ago, and I think this is one of the things that legislators actually recognise mm. uh, because I mean you've got what fifteen constitutional carry states in America now, whereas if you go back twenty years you had like two, mm. um, and I think they've recognised that okay. That solution is no longer available to us. So the um, opposite, or the answer to that, is to then have an armed population. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the debate is going to rage on. Of course, Biden has a very long track record of trying to bring in gun legislation. There's never ever been anything in American legislation that I've seen that has been very practical. Anyway. Uh, Pelosi, the papacy has done this throughout history against kings and nations. It has worked very well to achieve their goals. You must understand in the Catholic mind you can't get to heaven without confession confession of your sins, yeah. meaning your only option left is the Catholic version of hell. Not a nice place to end up with. Fear rules. You know, you look at Henry IV when he yeah. was placed under interdict. Uh, <laughs> the entire empire was sent to eternal hellfire until he changed his policy to come in line with the church. Mm. And he got Nancy Pelosi that has been condemned to hellfire until she changes her policy to come in line with the church. This is church controlling the state, and mm. this should not be. We should not have a union of church and state. Totally. Anyway, that's what you had to say this morning. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We're going to keep the lines open because as we go through our Bible study, we want to hear more about what you have to say. We're in the story of Jacob and Rachel and Leah and somehow or other, Jacob found himself married to the wrong person. How that happens, I really have no idea. It just hurts my brain every time I think about it, particularly because that relationship was consummated before he found out that it was actually the wrong person. <laughs> but I was thinking about it overnight, and maybe somebody's got some light on this. I don't know. Uh huh. Maybe they were twins. Maybe Rachel yeah. and Leah were twins. Well, it, like, and, and your translation says that Leah did not have a sparkle in her eyes. Mm. And so maybe she was a twin who was suffering from depression mm. and maybe the maybe that's how it happened. Yeah, well, because... You know, in a dark room with an ja- identical twin. Jacob and Esau are twins. That's right. We know, and, yes. but it never uses the word twin to describe them. It's just Esau's the older brother and Jacob's the younger. Yes. Yeah. So you always have an older and a younger when it comes to twins. There's always yeah. a minute or two between them. Yeah, but there's never, like, the word twin used. So that, that's a possibility as well. I've... Let me know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. How was this relationship consummated without Jacob realizing it? It could have been really dark. <laughs> <laughs> that dark. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I don't know. Shell's looking at it and she's just like blank face. She's like, really? <laughs> like darkness? <laughs> Not that dark. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. This is a story that does make my head hurt. I would love to hear your thoughts on it um, and let us know. Mm. 
All right, so let's dig into this story a little bit further. So what we find here is that Jacob ends up being deceived and then blackmailed. Yep. So Laban the next day is like, yeah, I gave you the wrong daughter. That's no big deal. Uh, I'll give you the second one as well. Mm -hmm. And you can just work for me for another seven years for the second one. Mm. And so Jacob ends up paying, well, he ends up paying the equivalent in today's wages of $1 million for Rachel's hand in marriage. Wow. That's, That's a lot. That's kind of cheap now that I'm thinking about it. Like, I don't know. I feel like there cheap, are celebrity yeah. couples who, like, buy each other, like, $2.5 million diamond rings or something. Yeah, but you got to remember that Jacob's not a celebrity couple. He's like an outcast. Yeah. And and Laban is totally using him because of the fact that he is an outcast and he doesn't have prospects and he doesn't have hope. And Laban's like, yeah, you know what? God has abandoned this guy, so I'm just going to rip him off for 14 years. That's so tough. Uh huh. That's the worst. And you know what goes around comes around. It's a bit of the moral of the story mm. here, isn't it? Mm. Okay. So when those fourteen years pass, uh, let's let's. Where, where, which verse did we get up to yesterday? We got up to verse twenty-eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. In verse twenty-eight, it says, "So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Uh, Laban gave Rachel a servant." Bill, Bilha, uh, to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. Then he stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. Well, at least he was true to his word. Yeah. He was a man of his word. He could have taken off. He could have Because he, he did get given Rachel. That's right. And we would say, we would probably say that he had every right to take off. Yeah. You know, and to, and to make a bolt for it because, I mean, he'd been terribly, terribly ripped off. But no, he's a man of his word. And this is one of the good things that Jacob does in his life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I'm going to disagree with you, Lyle. Okay. Is it one of the good things he does? Because he's just taken on a second wife. No, 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 no. The good part of it is that he's a man of his word. Uh Uh-huh. The bad part of it is that he marries a second wife. Yeah, so, because this is my thought. Okay, you got stitched up. You married yes. the wrong lady. Yes. Big issues, big problems. That's right. Do you then marry another lady? <laughs> Is that going to solve the problem? To solve the problem? It's going to create just innumerable problems. Uh-huh. And then what you're going to find is that, you know, Jacob becomes a bit of a, a bit of a profligate character because Leah is given a maid, Rachel is given a maid, and he ends up sleeping with all four of these women. Yeah. His two wives and their two maids. He learnt nothing from his parents. <laughs> Isn't this a fact? Yeah. From his grandparents. From his grandparents, that's right. We actually, that's so funny. So in Abraham's life, uh, because Abraham like has no frame of reference of this whole walking with God thing, and he makes these mistakes. He's like, the two big mistakes he makes during his life is like, his ventures into different countries that he shouldn't go into that leads him to lie. And then his like, you know, sleeping with, with the maid um, to solve his problems. And in Isaac's life, we see him do the going into countries and lying thing. And in Jacob's life, we see him, well, he does the deceive, deceitful lying thing, but he does the he does sleeping a lot of, with multiple women. Yeah. He does a lot. Jacob does a lot of terrible things. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at this story and you, and you realize the fact that God describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm. 
it shows that, you know, these were really broken people mm. and that God is the God of broken people. Yeah. And we look at our past and let's face it, every single one of us has a past. And what this story tells us is that God's grace is available for everyone and it is powerful for everyone. Mm. Uh, we look at their sins and we're like, well, you know, I've never committed sins like that. But then we look at our own sins and the devil gets in our case and the devil's like, okay, you, you know, and, and maybe you've committed worse sins. I, I, I have no idea. But um, whenever the devil gets on our case and whenever the devil says you've committed too many sins and you cannot be forgiven, remember that God stands up and God name drops. God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm. God wheels these guys out, so to speak, as demonstrations of his power Mm. uh, because you would think when you read their lives, why would anyone associate themselves with these guys that were so morally corrupt? Mm. And the answer is because they exhibit exhibit A, B, and C of what God can do to a morally corrupt person by the power of his grace and how he can turn that person around and create a new life. Wow. Wow and provide forgiveness for their sins. Uh, somebody texting through here says, Jacob could have been intoxicated after the wedding party, and that would have been a terrible idea as well. Mm. Uh, why would you be drinking alcohol? That's such a terrible idea. Um, and particularly at a wedding, it's an even worse idea. And to get drunk at your wedding, mm. there's every possibility that this actually happened. We mm. don't know. Mm. It, it, it could have happened. And if it did then it's just another in a long list of very terrible ideas. <laughs> yeah, and terrible things that Jacob opted into and, you know, as a result. You know, if you throw alcohol into the mix, you throw a dark night into the mix and two daughters that look very similar to each other, mm. maybe that's how we can understand what's going on here. Mm. Okay, uh, Rika says, in the Middle East, the bride's face is covered with a veil. Uh, could have been the same case with Leah. I would agree with that. There's every possibility that was the, that was also what was going on. Yeah. During the day, that would be the expectation. Uh, the only thing is that doesn't the veil go away when you go to the marriage bed? That's that. Isn't that kind of the point? It's like That's finally, yeah, the veil, the veil's lifted. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've got uh, somebody calling through. We've got uh, Bruce calling through. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah, and I've was, I was been thinking about this a lot, and I was just thinking, why didn't Jacob just accept what happened, you know, and stuck with Leah? Because mm. really, you know, when he was born, he found out he'd been deceived. Well, wouldn't it remind him, well, he deceived his father. And so the, the Lord's allowed me now to go through and be on the other side. And, and when you think about it with Leah, she, you know, she had Judah, which was where the seed of Jesus came through, didn't come through Rachel. And and also, you know, when you look at his life, most of his life, married life, he spent with Leah anyway because Rachel died on their way back, you know. Yes. And so, you know, and and probably, you know, their family relationships would have been so much better because you wouldn't have been having arguments about, you know, the wives and all this sort of business. And when you so, think about when you think about Rachel and when Rachel dies, when Rachel passes away. It would, you know, in in any kind of grief situation, there's always that tendency to blame ourselves. And you couldn't help but see uh, Jacob at this particular time blaming himself, you know, if I'd have just stayed with Lee, if I hadn't married Rachel, she'd still be alive today. You know, what's that going to do with your head? I mean, that's going to be a, a heavy thing to live with. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, and so you know, when you're looking at it, that's what I'm saying with Lee. If he stuck with Leah, who knows what it would be like? You know what what would have happened? Like there wouldn't have been a Joseph, and um, so we just don't know. But it just goes to show. Looking at it from my perspective, if I'm looking at it, I wish that's what I would have done by God's grace, you know, and, and so you look at your own life, you know, what's happened? Am I still going to trust God no matter what? Yeah. You know, and it, do the right. It, it would have been immeasurably hard and heartbreaking yeah. for Jacob to do that, yeah. but it would have been the right thing to do. And as you say, you know, if Joseph had never been born, if that whole experience had never happened, then maybe you avoid 400 years of, you know, it's interesting to, to consider some alternative history here. Maybe you avoid 400 years of, you know, Egyptian exile and slavery. Yeah. And maybe you avoid, you know, God's people at this particular time completely losing their contact with God during the Egyptian uh, slavery and, you know, all the horrors, the absolute horrors and the trauma that that slavery, you know, caused Israel and, you know, the long memory of that event that, you know, is a part of their natural psyche right through to this day. Yeah. Now you've raised some very interesting points there, Bruce. Thank you for calling through. Uh Great insights into Genesis chapter 29. Uh, Lawson, let's head back over here to where we were uh, reading and let's look at the children of Jacob as the children of Jacob come along. Uh, Verse 31. Why don't you read for us verse 31? Yeah, for sure. It says, When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. Okay, so this is an interesting verse right here because one of the things that we need to remember is that love is a choice. Yeah. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, love is a choice. Agree. It is promoted that love is an emotion, and there is very much an emotional part to love. Let's not escape that. But when it all boils down, and all of the you know romantic people out there are going to be like, "Oh, I can't believe Lyle's saying that." But when it boils down, love is a choice. Mm. It's something. It's a choice that you make every day. You wake up every day, and you choose to love the person that you are with. And and as a result of that, there is nothing stopping Jacob from manning up. And choosing to love Leah. Now, you know, we of course are the, you know, the armchair commentators here, sort yeah. of looking at the situation from, you know, four thousand years in the future and making these kind of wild statements without really taking into consideration just how unbelievably hard it would be. But I think Bruce raised a really good point. That would have been the right thing to do. Mm. It would be the moral thing to mm-hmm. do, is just to have one wife. Yeah. And like, well, okay, I got I got ripped off. So I ripped my father off and now, you know, what goes around has come around, so this is my lot in life. Let me make the best of it. Mm. But instead of that, he marries a second wife and the sister of his wife. Yeah, well. You know, two wives, ouch. Mm. Two wives that are sisters, double ouch. Mm. And then their maids as well. It's like, Jacob, what are you even thinking? And, you know, I, I see here some sympathy coming through by God. Mm. For Leah, mm. where he gives her the opportunity, gives Leah the opportunity to have children first because it's going to give her some comfort. She would have been in just an awful, awful relationship. I think there's like something to be said here about like the the human psyche. And I feel in this situation, like clearly Jacob believes he's some kind of victim um, to, you know, to this offense of being duped out of having the, the wrong wife. Um and he immediately appeals 
to immorality to solve his problems or to make him feel better about his problems. Like, and that, that immorality is, oh, I'm going to have a second wife. Oh, and not only that, I'm going to like treat one better than the other and have favorites. Like in this situation that I'm in pretty much through my own actions. Yes. Someone has done something wrong to me, but I've ended up here because of my choices. And I think, yeah, just re it's really revealing to us. It's like, Man, we often do the same thing. We we feel like, oh, we're hurt or angry or whatever, but then we appeal to immorality rather than than taking it in, coming back to God and letting him work in our lives. And so, yeah, really, really strong warning for us. Hey, let's go to God when we're in these situations. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, we are into our Bible study time and... Uh, before we get back into it, we have another verse, another clue for our another quiz. clue for the quiz. Who am I? Aaron is my brother, and Miriam is my sister. So yeah, this is really narrowing it down. If you know who this is, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text, and you can go into the draw to win "Growing in Jesus," both volumes one and two by Mark and Ernestine Finley. But again. Uh, Aaron is my brother and Miriam is my sister. 0491-064-669. Okay, so this is a text message that actually came through at the very end of yesterday's presentation and I didn't have time to read. I forgot about it until now, but we just had Bruce on. And this is a text message that brings up uh, a similar point to what Bruce brought up. So I think thought we should just um, go back and have a look at it. comes from Braden. It says, It is both interesting and, convic- and convicting that Jesus came through the line of Leah, thus telling us that God never intended for Jacob to marry Rachel after this incident. Of course, Rachel was used in God's plan, as can be seen in Joseph and so forth, and so God works with our mistakes. There's no question about that. But polygamy was never a part of God's plan. This was not Mm -mm. God's idea in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, because we see like the 12 tribes of Israel spread out amongst these two women, you know, the one has some kids, the other has other kids, but like, yeah, God, God could have pumped all those kids out through Leah. Like it, it, yeah, there was, there was no, like if there was a necessity to have 12 tribes, like, and, and, uh, Bruce brought up the point as well, like, oh, you know, Joseph came through Rachel, and, and it's kind of like it's a positive and a negative because, like, Joseph is such a hero of the Bible and such yes. a hero of his people, yes. but also because Without of Joseph, Joseph, like, sorry? Without Joseph, you don't have slavery. Yeah, that's right. So, essentially, basically, like, yeah, this this situation is, is clearly... God could have worked in many different ways, um, but they just... J- Jacob just didn't have the trust. If Jacob had been able to see... 500 years into the future mm. and see the result of marrying two women and sleeping with four. Mm. You know, alternative history. A um, couple of other text messages. Uh, another one here on, on Jacob maybe is tipsy or drunk. That could be a reason. Or did he just go for it? Figured the vows have already been made. So, well, I, I can't, we, we don't know. Uh, but it's an interesting point. Let's not forget that Jacob worked seven years for Rachel and not Leah. He loved Rachel, not Leah. It was Laban, the father, who caused this tragedy. Mm. And I think that's a very, very valid point here. We've put a lot of heat on Jacob, and rightfully so. But, I mean, Laban was just a, 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 
A, a dirty scoundrel dog. This is just such a tragic situation. That That's ultimately what's going on here. Though, like, throughout the entire life of Jacob, he's just been in tragedy after tragedy, whether with his own family or we see here, you know, with Aaliyah and Rachel and Laban, like, yeah. And he has such a conflicted relationship with God, you know, compared to the other patriarchs, he has much more of a conflicted relationship with God. He has much greater trust issues with God than Isaac or Abraham, even though both Isaac and Abraham did some terrible things mm. and completely distrusted God. You know, look at Isaac trying to give the birthright to Esau when God said, no, it's to be given to Jacob. Mm. You know, completely distrusting God. Look at, you know, Abraham when he tells Pharaoh that, oh, my wife is actually not my wife, that's my sister, you know. Yeah. And, and these kind of, there's some terrible, terrible things that take place in the story of the, the lives of these men, but they are there to show us that God can save the worst sinner and make mm. them into somebody who is a great hero of faith. Mm. Uh, another one here says, Laban planned it to get another seven years of service from Jacob. Greed was the cause of all this pain. Mm. Yeah. And once again, you wonder whether Laban, you know, if Laban had known how much pain would be caused, that his grandchild would be sold as a slave because of this. Mm. Would you do that? Yeah. So you can get seven years of pain. You know, would would I sell my little baby granddaughter that I've got right now for half a million dollars? That's what seven years of labor is worth, about half a million dollars at, mm. a, at a minimum wage. Mm. Would, would any normal, no normal person would do that if you could see the future. All right, let's uh, finish off this chapter. Why don't you read the, uh, the last verses for us, please? In the last verses, the Bible says, uh, She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. Oh, sorry, I missed verse 32. It says, So Leah, so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. For she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. She named him Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me, since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, Now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. So it's a, it's an interesting and tragic story at the same time. Mm. And you wonder what is going on in the life of Leah. It seems like she has a very, very sad life. Mm. She is trapped in a relationship where she is not loved, she is not valued, she is not cared for, and she's having children. She's also a tool for sex. Like, it's like, so all, like, it's like he wants to be with Rachel. And because of that, he's like completely unloving and uncaring. Towards Leah, so he's having sex with somebody that he does not love, and yeah. she knows that she. So she's just being used. She's just sex. being used. Yeah, it's like why did how how can she keep falling pregnant? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we all know how that is, works. This is terrible. It it's is. I never terrible actually, situation. I never actually considered it that way before, but you are absolutely correct. <laughs> she's just being used. Yeah. Now, when it comes down to Judah, this is interesting because and, and Judah was the last one that she stopped where she stopped having children. And she said, now I'll praise the Lord. Mm. Up until this point, every one of her children is a child where she is hoping against hope that her husband will now show her some affection, now show her some love. Obviously, this is a terrible relationship. 
that she's trapped in. When it comes to, to, to Judah, the question that goes through my mind is this. Has Jacob matured enough now so that he's actually realized that he needs to love Leah and needs to show her love and affection? Or is this a situation where she just surrenders and says, Lord, I'm just going to praise you whatever my lot is? Yeah, I think like... It, well, the text definitely doesn't indicate that all of a sudden Jacob has a change of heart. No, it doesn't. Why? Because Rachel's still around. Like, yes. that, that's A1. And so I think, like, she's she's experiencing the joys of motherhood. Um, she has children whom she loves and she cares for, and obviously she receives affection back from as well, you know, and cause, because by the time of the fourth kid, what, like, the youngest that the oldest can be is four, five, six years old, something like this. And she is experiencing the joys of, you know, being self-sacrificial and looking after her children and, and loving them and being able to give the love that she isn't receiving. Um, and I, I, I believe that, yeah, it's at that point that she is praising the Lord. She can see her purpose. She can see why she's there. You know, she was before, like, even though she's being treated terribly, yeah, her her value in her life did come from the treatment of Jacob. But now she is so much more than that. And she's a mother and she's got beautiful children that love her as, you know, children can only love a mother. Mm. And so she's experiencing some love in her life. Even though she may not be getting it from her husband, she's getting love from her children. And she finds some a, a level of satisfaction in that where she is able to, you know, make that surrender to God and to praise God for the good things, even though not everything is good. Mm. And I think there's a lesson for all of us can learn right there because we live in a life where not everything is going to be good. But life will be so much better if we can praise God even when things are not as we would like them to be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It's question of the day time. Before we do, quick run through of the quiz. Yeah, so some of the questions here. I named my son Gershom, saying I have become an alien in a foreign land. Michael the Archangel disputed with my uh, with the devil about my body. I chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. And finally, Aaron is my brother and Miriam is my sister. Give us a call, 0491-064-669. Answer the questions or the answer the quiz correctly based on those clues and you will grow into the draw to win Growing With Jesus, Volumes 1 and 2 by Mark and Ernestine Finley. Make sure you say, may I enter the quiz when you answer correctly. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. Our question of the day today is Matthew sixteen twenty eight says, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Surely there isn't still people with us today that were with Jesus back then. That comes in from Freco. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, so this is from, um, where are we? We are in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus has, if we go back to the previous verse, you know, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, then he will reward everyone according to his works. And then he makes this interesting statement where he says, there are some here who will not die until they see me. And it's interesting how he words it. He says, assuredly, I say to you, there are some here standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so... Many people would read that and they would read the previous verse and assume that there were people standing there with Jesus when he made this prophecy that are still alive today and that will not die until the second coming of Jesus. However, we simply read the next verse. So let's read on in the next verse and we find out how this prophecy is fulfilled. 
The Bible says in the next verse, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, and led them up into a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured in front of them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, if it is good for us to be here, if you wish, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. They're like, you know, Peter was always a man of action. Let's let's build uh, some camping, uh, you know, camping sites here so that we can stay because this is this mm. is good. But while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus only. So a fascinating story here. Jesus gives a prophecy of his second coming. He talks about coming in power and great glory. And he talks about coming, obviously, when he's going to come back, the resurrection is going to take place and the righteous are going to be united together with Jesus. Then he says, some here will be alive when they see me come in my glory. What he doesn't say is that some of you here will be alive at the second coming, until the second coming. He says, some of you will be alive and see me come in my glory. And so immediately after six days, the next verse that the Bible says is they go up into a mountain by themselves and he comes in his glory. Not only does he come in his glory, but he comes in his glory with Moses and Elijah. And so what do you have taking place here? In many ways, you could look at this as being a mini second coming. You've got Jesus in his glory. You've got the presence of the Father there. You've got a sample of those who are resurrected in Moses because Moses, Mm. the Bible says, was resurrected from the dead. You've got a sample of of those who are alive when Jesus comes up, comes back because Elijah was taken to heaven without tasting death. And you have the voice of God speaking from heaven. What do you have when Jesus comes back? You have the voice of God. You have the, 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 the last trumpet. You have the dead being raised. You have those who are alive being caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so this is exactly what you have in miniature. It's an in miniature depiction of the return of Christ in, in in many ways. And so, yes, there were people standing there when Jesus made that prophecy that did see Jesus come in his glory with the resurrected and with the still alive, but it happened six days later, not at the end of time. Fantastic stuff. Just want to remind everybody to spend some time with Jesus. You need to do this every day. Uh, Faith FM on its own is fantastic, but it mm. is not Enough. Mm. You need one-on-one personal time with Jesus every day. Not just a little bit of a snippet while you are travelling to work. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks 
for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.